0: No, I'm ready for it. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. I want to go after a topic here tonight that I believe can release more of God's kingdom in your life, more. And when I say God's kingdom, and when we read this passage here in just a moment, you'll hear this, this terminology, God's kingdom. Maybe you grew up in church, or maybe you're new to church, but you'll hear this word kingdom thrown around in church circles. But it simply means this, the reign and rule of Jesus in every area of your life. The reign and rule. And so when we say the word kingdom, it can come, become like a Christian, religious, kind of cliche word. But it's helpful to remind yourself, okay, look at the different areas of your thinking, of your speaking, of your behavior, of your relationships, every area of your life, your finance, your business, and ask yourself this is the kingdom, the reign and rule of Jesus first in that area. And if it is, you know that the kingdom of God is near and it's coming through your life in that area. In Matthew 6, Jesus deals with the greatest opposition to the advancement of God's kingdom in your life. The greatest opposition to God's kingdom furthering in your life and in this city and in this church is described in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. And it says here in verse 25, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, so it might take me about 40 minutes to get through this passage. <laughs> but it's the Word of God, so it's all good. Therefore, I tell you, wherever you see a therefore, ask what it's there for. The context here is that Jesus has just been talking about money. He says you cannot both serve money and God. That word serve is not a light word. It means slave. So whatever you choose will become your master. And you want to be careful what master you serve. And money always enslaves, but God sets free. That's why we believe in tithes and offerings. That's why we believe in putting God first, because he's a better master than money. And so wherever you put your first will determine who's your master. Same goes for your time, your thoughts, your your speech, your your energy, your creativity, your imagination, whatever's first determines what is your what your master is. And so it's in that context that we read on. He says, "Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, perpetually uneasy or distracted." I just get worried just reading that. Worried about not, you know, stopping to worry. I am freaking out. Okay. Perpetually uneasy or distracted about your life as to what you will eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body as to what you'll wear. Is life not more than food? Debatable. And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow seed nor reap the harvest nor gather the crops into the barns. And yet, watch this, yet your heavenly Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worth much more than they? And he, and who of you, by worrying, can add one hour to the length of his life? And why are you worried about clothes? See how the lilies of the wildflowers of the field grow. They do not labor, nor do they spin wool to make clothing. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory and splendor dressed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass... Of the field which is alive and green today and tomorrow is cut, thrown as fuel into the furnace. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry or be anxious. You know that when Jesus repeats something, he's really trying to get our attention. Yeah. Therefore, do not worry or be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted, saying, "What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear?" And Jesus here is not uh, saying that these are the only things that we worry about. He's using basic needs in humanity to say that I get that you need stuff. And it's a picture and a representation of the the needs of humanity when he lists off these three things. Verse 33, for the pagan Gentiles, that simply means people that don't put God first, that seek the world above God. Eagerly seek all these things. But do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first and importantly, seek, aim at, Strive after His kingdom and His righteousness. Can I get an amen? His kingdom and His righteousness. The Amplified Version defines it. His way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I hear an amen? (laughs) This is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between spirit and soul. God, it gets into places that nothing else can. So Lord, get into those places that are stopping us from seeking your kingdom first so we can bring advancement in our family. We can see breakthrough in every area of our life. Tonight, I thank you that our thinking would shift, our speech would change, our behavior would not just be modified, but transformed by the power of your word in In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, worry is what makes the world go round. It's uh, an interesting thing. When you study this word, worry, it's the definition here for Jesus is misguided care. Misguided care. So as I thought about this, and I've been studying worry a bit more because a lot of the pastoral issues that I deal with in New York and the kind of core Uh, causes of certain breakdown in in marriages and different relationships or things that we face in our church. I know San Diego has no worry issues, but I'm just talking about New York here tonight. Um, i realize realized I need to get a bit more equipped on what the Scripture is actually saying because there's all these powerful Scriptures that call us to not worry, but the reality is most people are still worrying. Even when the Creator of all things says, do not worry, for some reason I justify myself out of that. That, that somehow, okay, that might be available for someone else, but I know for me, worry gets me up in the morning. Worry can, can motivate me. It can drive me. Why? Because it's, it's misguided care. And God created humanity to care. Your, your design from God is to mirror Him, and God is a God who cares. So He created man and woman to care. The issue is what we care for first. And so sometimes we feel bad for worrying, which creates more worry. Anyone? <laughs> Even as I'm speaking about it, you're like, Josh, stop talking about worry. I didn't realize I had an issue. Now I've got an issue. You know? <laughs> Two words, therapy. No, so you'll get it later. Okay. <laughs> but with, with our church, I realize that I need to be the leader in not worrying. I've met a lot of pastors that are more stressed out than anyone in their church, that if I'm going to actually bring the peace of God that transcends understanding to God, people's hearts and minds, I need to have that in my life. I need to shift the way I think in order that we can create a worry-free environment. Isn't it interesting that the thing that Jesus talks about the most in this passage, when it when he's unlocking the idea of the kingdom advancing, the the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says the the biggest thing that I need you to stop so that the kingdom can move forward in your life is worry. I I thought it would be like some kind of dark spiritual power over my city. I I thought it would be, you know, hey, we've got Connect Week on tonight. You can sign up for Connect Groups. But what could stop you from actually, that's right, what could stop you (laughs) from showing up to small groups is actually not necessarily spiritual powers, but your own worry. Maybe you've been in a small group environment and you opened up to people and it didn't go the way you thought. So now it it creates a worry. Or maybe you're you're worried that people will see that you're a warrior. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what you're anxious about, but I have found that when I talk to people, hey, do you have time for a Sunday? Do you have have time to serve? Do you have time to lead I don't have any time. But then they're on Netflix all week and social media. Don't tell me you don't have an hour and a half in your week to give to the Lord. So where did all that time go? So what I realize is because we haven't dealt with worry, where all our time is sucked into suppressing this care. I don't want to feel this anymore because I feel like I can't control this situation or I feel uneasy and perpetually uneasy. So I'll drown it out and saturate my mind with entertainment. I'll drown it out with with more substances or food or relationships or things that are not going to feed my spirit. And then all my time is zapped. So I get to Sunday and I could be seeking first his kingdom or getting to a connect group. And I say, I don't have enough time. Why? Because it's been filled with worry. Worry hijacks your imagination. There is a faculty in your part of who you are that is created to care, to imagine a better future for your family, for your, for your friends, for your, for, your, for your kids, for your business, for your church. But worry steals that faculty. So when Pastor Matt gets up here and, and he's preaching about all things are possible you're, you're kind of trying to justify yourself out of that thinking because of worry. And we need to realign to God's Word. I, I love Pastor Juergen Leanne so much. And my first leadership role as an 18-year-old in Sydney was given to me by Pastor Juergen and Leanne. They, they believed... Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> I know, it was only last year. So thank you. And man, they, they believed in me when when no one else did. They, they believed in what I could do and believe in what God placed in my life. And I learned in those early years of leadership that really worry was my biggest battle. Wow. Worrying if kids would turn up, worried if leaders would respond, worried what people would think, worried if, if they would like me. And all this energy and creative uh, faculties in my mind were sucked up and dried up when I could have been focused on praying or studying the Word or sending a text to empower someone else. Well, worry is just this internal treadmill that takes you nowhere. But God wants to advance His kingdom in your world. And so if we wanna deal with worry, then we're gonna have to deal with what's going on in our heart. We have to change what we seek in order to change... What's happening in our heart? When we uh, first felt called to New York, we had uh, like 30 or 40 people gathering in Sydney and there were vision nights and prayer nights and some of the people wanted to come start the church with us, which was amazing and we were so excited. This was 2013 and one day I was writing in, in my moleskin because I'm I'm so cool and that's my journal. and um, <laughs> And... Leather-bound journals, it's more powerful that way. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm writing all the names of the team, praying over them, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, stop writing, I'll pick your team for you. And I thought, how will you know who I want? (laughs) He said to write it down and make it plain, so. (laughs) But this weird sense of hope and faith rose in my heart at that point, Because I realized that God was calling me to trust that He was my team. At the same time, my flesh started to worry. Because I realized at that moment that no one was going to make it. And that's why He asked me to stop writing their names. I realized that He wanted me to place all my trust in God. And by the building of a team, not saying a team's bad, but it was just my journey... I realized that I was trying to rely on what I knew, building a team and building through people, but God wanted me to refocus and seek Him first for the, for the kind of church He wants in New York City. And not just rely on humanity and what we can do together, but first seek His name and what He wants. And sure enough, no one arrived. Thank you for your support. We arrived in New York City on a cold February night, four suitcases, a five-month-old baby. But because of that, Georgie and I were able to seek God's kingdom first. And we came up with this name and this idea, Dinner Parties. And through that, now our church has exploded through these dinner parties across the city. But I never would have started Dinner Parties if I had the team. But by a, by something that seemed like a lack became an overflow because I sought God's kingdom in in the lack. See, we get worried. Oh, I could have been worried. I have no team. Rather than worrying about having no team, I sought God in that, and His kingdom actually entered through what seemed like a lack. Whatever area is worrying you, I bet God's kingdom is knocking at that lack. Whatever is bothering you, whatever seems like the hardest area in your marriage, I bet God's kingdom could bust through if you seek Him first in that area. What, where you feel a lack in friendship, I bet if you seek His kingdom in that, you'll discover great friendships. As you, as you head to Connect Group next week, seek first His kingdom and don't just think, what can I get out of this? What can I actually add to this group? That's the kind of church that's gonna bring the kingdom of God. Jesus is fascinating because in order to refocus their vision on what they're focusing on, he uses metaphors from the natural order and the natural world. And the first one he uses is look at the look at the birds of the air. So they're sitting on a hill. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount and they're having a powerful time. I'm hearing hearing amazing topics on the ethics and the morality of the kingdom, which is now how we live as born again believers. And he's unfolding the greatest message you'll ever hear. You wanna study it, you wanna get into it. And then he's sitting here on this hill and there's some birds flying through the sky. And he says, hey, see those birds that I created? Look, look at them. They neither sow nor reap or gather, and yet I feed them all the time. Aren't you worth more than they? Aren't you more valuable than them? Now, when I first read this as a young believer, I thought it just meant that God's gonna provide my needs, which is true, 100% true. But as I studied and meditated on it a bit more, I realized what he was saying is that birds cannot sow or reap, but he created me with the ability to change my future through sowing and reaping. So many of the things that worry me, God has given me power to take control of my destiny. Birds cannot sow and bring a harvest, but you can. If you don't like your current circumstance, change what you're sowing. Yes. See, so often we want God's results, God's miracles in areas that He is calling us to change what we sow. He's saying, I, I will provide, but I've provided you with not just the ability to, to receive from me, but actually to sow and to reap and to gather. See, this changes everything. If you don't like your current business situation, you can change that situation. You have authority to sow and to reap. And often we're praying for the kingdom of God to enter into things or asking for a miracle in a certain area. And it's, it's actually a prayer of worry. It's, it's an anxious prayer. Anyone prayed an anxious prayer? <laughs> like every day? <laughs> You're like, God, help me out in this. He's like, remember the whole thing of like sowing and reaping? It might take some time, but I've given the miracle into your hand already. I've already created a way out. Now, I'm believing for favor. I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing for grace. But the the cool thing is, in the age of common grace, as we heard from the great offering message tonight, it works for anyone. So why wouldn't the people of God activate that area so we can have less worry? He's going to provide, and He provides for humanity right now. He's providing all over the place. But the reality is you can change your future if you understand what's in your hand. It may not be the same as the person next to you, but you're never going to sow if you're caught in worry. You're going to actually kill the very seed that God's given you to release into your situation. And the seed might be a word. It might be a text. It might be a phone call. It might be money. I, I don't know what it is. It could, be a, it could be a hug. It could be some forgiveness. I don't know what seed is needed to change the area where you're worrying, but God has given you a way out already. Amen? Amen. If you believe it, give God a hand tonight. Come on. I love this. The next analogy he says, and who of you by worrying can add one hour to the length of his life, So worry not only doesn't add time, but it also takes away time. And time is your most important commodity, more important than finance or any materialism. Where you place your time will determine your future. And the problem with worry is it steals all that imagination. The Bible says that when the spirit of the sovereign Lord falls upon this new generation in Acts 2, that he will give visions to young men and dreams to old men and women. That God has an area of care, an imagination where you can really care about the future of others and the future of His kingdom and the future of His church. But worry is the greatest opposition to that, that kingdom entering in. And if we think that we can change our situation by worry, Jesus is saying, you're wasting your time. What if, just Go there with me. Hypothetically, what if North Campus was a worry-free zone? What, what if we said no longer are we going to waste our time worrying and all the time that we wasted in worrying, we're now going to dedicate to the kingdom of God? Could you imagine the revival? Could you imagine the invitations? Could you imagine the, the presence that we would have? See, have you ever had a conversation with someone and you're not there? Are you not here right now? I'm not sure. (laughs) The, the, The amazing thing is when I think back on conversations where I haven't been present is because I was usually worrying. I'm worrying about their opinion or I'm worried about someone else in the room or other situation. And I miss the moment. I miss the moment. The kingdom was there. The, the kingdom was at hand. It was knocking on the door. God was like, hey, this is an encounter. This is a moment. But worry stole my imagination. Worry stole my focus, stole my presence. And therefore, I was not aware of his presence or the presence of someone else. A, a king and a, and a queen in front of me, a son and a daughter of God was standing in front of me. And I missed that moment. What if our connect groups were moments where we said, this is a worry-free environment. Hey, you can share your worries. You can you can get your cares out there. But but understand that we can leave this place tonight, we can leave our connect groups filled with faith, filled with life, filled with imaginations about the future rather than letting the devil steal it anymore. Come on, this is a worry-free environment. Believe it, believe it in Jesus' name. Seek first. If you want to deal with worry, change what you seek. The answer to worry is changing what your heart is seeking. See, if you look at the root cause of any worry in your life, it's connected to something that is not from God. It's not something that God even said that you need. A lot of it comes down to approval of man. A lot of worry that we find in terms of what we eat or drink or wear or what car or house or this or that, most of it is because we're worried about impressing someone or keeping up with the Joneses or this or that or comparison on social media. So a lot of it is driven by the need for approval. But when we get our approval from the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we know that we're already approved by His love, we are set free to no longer worry what man or woman thinks of us. We are set free to know that God has approved of us. And so it goes on and says, Therefore, do not worry, be anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted, saying, What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? And it moves on, it says, But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after His kingdom. Someone say His kingdom. kingdom. And His righteousness, His way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God. I realize that the dominion and the reign, the rule of God is most seen or experienced either in the presence of peace or the absence of peace. So wherever there is a lack of peace, I realize that I'm probably not seeking first His kingdom. Because anxiety and worry and stress, God is not judging us for them because you were created to care. And He cares for the birds of the air and how much more are you valuable than them? So it's not a message about God saying He doesn't care about those little things, just just build the church and do this. No, He's saying, I really do care. Care so much, but I don't want you, I care so much for you, I don't want you to care about those things more than my kingdom. And so He's trying to set us free from this so that we can build something that's eternal that will remain and truly be with us, not just for here and now, but forever. And so... As, as I studied the, the dominion and the reign, the rule of Jesus, I realized that the evidence of His kingdom is the presence of His peace. If, if peace is absent, I need to change what I'm seeking because in His kingdom is only peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He will not allow, even in the middle of a storm, I can experience peace. Not because the circumstances worked out, but He's in the middle of it. We sung about it tonight. He's riding on the storm. In fact, the most peaceful moments I've had are in the middle of a storm. Can I get a witness? Has anyone felt that? Isn't it amazing when you seek first the kingdom of God and you're worshiping, you weren't thinking about your worries. A worry would rise up, but then you seek first his kingdom and the worry drops back. See, as you change what you seek, you're telling your worries where to go. As you change what you seek, you're welcoming in the presence of God. Why? Because as you seek first the kingdom, you're welcoming in the dominion of peace into your thinking, into your speaking, into your behaving. So change what you seek tonight. What is first? What is at the center? And it's not just this ethereal idea, God's kingdom. Yes, God's kingdom, it's everywhere. It's just floating through the room. No, it's literally His way of doing, His attitude in every area. Is there worry in your marriage? Well, maybe your marriage isn't seeking first the kingdom. Is there worry in my household? Yes. So I need to shift that. I have authority to shift that. Is there worry in my kids? Yes. I get to teach them how to seek first the kingdom when worry knocks at the door. I believe that God has given the greatest solution to humanity, because if we don't deal with worry, it leads to all sorts of dis-ease, uneasiness. If we don't deal with this, we will lead people into places that will cause all sorts of strife, but we are those that bring the kingdom of God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen in the North Campus here tonight? I believe that there's miracles in this room. I believe that people can get healed even here tonight, I was teaching this message at a church in Long Island, Long Island, and uh, hey, I'm walking here, walking my dog. Hey, forget about it. And, um, and so I'm teaching this message, and, and, I, and I hear this amazing testimony after the service of this guy getting impacted in more ways than one, and on the way into the service, he sees this broken uh, robin's egg, this baby robin's egg. It's obviously not the city because there's birds and uh, it was the suburbs. And so he sees this baby's robin's robin egg on the, on the ground and he can hear the baby robin chirping. And he thinks to himself, I'd love to be able to see that baby bird. But the problem was is that he has a fused neck and he cannot look up past straight eyeline sight. So he can only look straight ahead or down. But it was just a thought in his heart and then he kept on, he walked into the service. And as I'm preaching this message about seeking first and dealing with the worry and unlocking imagination, that worry is hijacked imagination, and I read out the words, look at the birds, the Holy Spirit whispers to him, look up. As the word is preached, all he does is look up and his neck is healed right in that moment, just through the power of God's word. Let me tell you, church, you have a God that cares. He cares about the little things and the big things. You are far more valuable than a bird. He loves the birds. He created them. Aren't they beautiful? But I'm telling you, you are the pinnacle of his creation. You matter so much. Stop denying the favor and the grace that God has for you. In Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He'll never let the righteous be shaken. How do you deal with the cares when they get too much? You're saying, Josh, I'd love to not worry. Well, guess what? You can cast it. See, when I thought about casting, I, I, tr- I try to cast cares sometimes, and I, and I kind of cast them just a little bit, yeah, right. but they're still in my reach to grab a hold of again. But the word cast literally means to throw it so far that it's out of your reach. Most of the time, we're just thinking about our cares and they're going around and around. But when, when you vocalize it in prayer, it's an act of casting. See, your mouth was also created as an exit for bad thinking. And so worry builds up in your mind, but when you have a different confession, and you begin to speak out worry, and you get transparent and authentic with your Lord, it shows humility. Watch it. I'll, I'll prove it to you in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Watch this. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Watch this. Verse 7. Casting all care upon him. What does God see as humility? He says, those that are prideful do not cast. See the connection. How do I humble? Him? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm humbling myself, Lord. But no, you're still worried. But when I get down and I cast my cares, I say, Lord, this person is really worrying me in church and, and I get real and I vocalise it, then I'm not now damaging my wife and my kids and my team and taking it out on them. Why? Because I created a, a, an avenue for casting something that I'm not meant to carry. Now not everyone else has to carry it because God's carrying it. And so often every relationship around us is carrying our burdens because we didn't give them to God. They're paying the consequence for me not praying it out. And if you want grace on your life, cast cares. Isn't it crazy? I get to cast my cares and He sees it as humility. And exchanged for me vocalizing my worries, He gives me grace. So not only do I get rid of something, but I gain something. And I want you this week, every time a worry gets into your mind, cast it. Lord, this is, and I just get real with Him. I, I don't say, thus saith the Lord. I just, I, I just, Lord, this is worrying me. And I just need to tell you, because I know you're bigger than this, but I'm, but I'm human and I can't handle this. And Lord, I, I give it to you. And the power of it in my mind is broken. I can move on and no longer is my mind hijacked by worry. Wow. I, I'm sending an eviction notice to worry this week. That, that, that worry is not your landlord. You, you have the right to kick worry out of the house. It is, has no place. I'm not saying it goes forever because it'll knock on the door every day and you have an opportunity either to let it in. Some of you have let him into every room. Worry pervades every area, but one by one, please evict worry. Please cast your cares on the Lord for He cares for you. And how did David do this? It says in Psalm 27, verse four, one thing I ask from the Lord. David had a, a lot of worries. He had Saul hunting him down. He had all sorts of issues, all sorts of things happening in his world, but this is the way he dealt with worry. One thing I ask from the Lord, this I only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. David would shift what he was seeking in order to deal with the issue. You would think he would just deal with the issue head on. No, he would gaze upon the beauty and the glory of the Lord and that would shift everything for him. He knew that God would fight his battles for him. He knew that something would change in his heart. Will you welcome God in as you change what you seek? Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Always, (laughs) in everything trials, tribulations, when someone deserts you or someone betrays you and business doesn't work out, when there's debt, I, I I don't know the situation, but the Lord says you can rejoice always. And he defines it, delight, take pleasure in him. I want you to catch this, rejoice in the Lord always. God doesn't change even though your circumstance has. There's always a reason to delight, not based on your current situation, but on the character and the nature of your God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can be delighted in, in Jesus' name. Man, New York comes at me like a flood. It's a pretty intense city. We have five locations, people waking up at 5 a.m. We have have, uh, all portable locations, five locations. We have... uh, Two of our locations, venues change uh, every month. So we will find out a Wednesday before the Sunday that a venue will switch. And initially I would just get so worried. I would lose sleep. And I thought, this, this can't be right. This can't be like the rest of my life. And I realized that He hasn't asked me to carry something that I cannot control. And sure enough, we have never had one Sunday in one of the most expensive cities in the world. Even with venues changing on us last minute, we've never had one service not run, even though venues have kicked us out. God has always provided. Why? He loves His church. He loves His church even more than the birds. Come on. He he cares for us so much. You can rejoice even when things go upside down. Again, I'll say rejoice, let your gentle spirit, your graciousness, your unselfishness, your mercy, tolerance, and patience be known to all people. The Lord is near, which is another way of saying His kingdom is near. King of kings, Lord of lords, Prince of peace, welcome Him into every situation and you can rejoice in every situation. Verse six, watch this, even Paul's onto this. Do not be anxious or worried about anything. He's writing from prison, folks. He's chained. And he pens these words. He's encouraging people that are outside prison. What a weirdo. <laughs> he must be tapped into something. He must be seeking first the kingdom of God, even in prison. I don't know what kind of prison you're in in your mind and your emotions in your heart. But seek first the kingdom. Do not be anxious. Watch this. What's, what's the answer? But in everything. Someone say everything tonight. Come on, we're about to wrap this up. In everything, every circumstance, and every situation. There it is. Cast your cares. Humble yourself. Welcome the presence of Jesus into everything. That is the dominion and the rule. Into everything. Everything. Not one area. Everything. If you have worry anywhere, welcome Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace. Come on, I'm preaching to someone tonight. You need to welcome Jesus into everything. Everything. Come on, stand to your feet. In everything, in everything, everyone together, unified, let's stand. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving continue to make our specific requests. If you have a specific worry, don't have a generalized prayer. If you have a specific worry, don't have a generalized prayer. The enemy lives in the gap between your generalizations and your specific need. If I have a specific worry, I need to get specific with the Lord, because that shows humility. God, I need you to specifically help me with this. And that will set us free. And why, why are we talking about this? Because the kingdom of God is needed in San Diego. And you were created to care and care about what the Father cares about the most, the lost souls, the people that need to be in small groups, the people that need freedom and salvation, the the people that need their gifts released. But if you are, as a believer, wasting all your time in worry, the church cannot move forward at the pace it needs to to bring the kingdom into San Diego. Right now, there's imagination and energy and creativity and words and all sorts of things that God wants to release through your life but worry is stealing it. We need to deal with this so the kingdom of God can enter into every area of our life. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, give God a hand clap, amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. What do you do when you release worry? What do you do? Finally, believers, dwell on these things whatever is true, whatever is honourable, and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's Word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Centre your mind on them and implant them in your heart, the things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things in daily life, and the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you see it's not just the absence of worry but the dwelling of the kingdom of God in every part of your thinking if you want it to here tonight lift your hands and start to cast some cares anything that's bothering you Get real with your Father. Get specific, whether it's under your breath or bold as a lion. If you need to shout it out, if you need to pray it out, get specific right now. If you're with your husband or your wife or a friend right now, come on, get specific together. Go after this and seek first. Change what you seek. Seek first his kingdom in that area. Right now, Holy Spirit, release miracles in this place. Right now, if someone and you're worried about something a doctor said this week, I'm telling you right now, you will be delivered in Jesus' name. You are healed by his stripes in Jesus' name. We change the diagnosis in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, right now, lower back problems. Anyone with lower back problems, just place your hand on that part of your back right now. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, healing in the lower back area right now. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone with diabetes, healed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, someone here with migraines, healed in Jesus' name. Reach out. Reach out for your miracle. Reach out for your healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, Relationship breakdown, healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Come on, seek after Him. Seek after Him, seek Him first. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, more of you in this time. More of you. We will not let this time be wasted with worry. Whether we have 40 more years or 80 years or 10 years, Lord, we will maximize our time. And worry will not steal it any, anymore, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.